Hello and welcome to Music Speaks. This podcast dedicates itself to how music impacts people's lives. For this show, we usually have three co-hosts, myself, Hunter Sagona, our friend Mary Herman, Mary Haddix Hermans, sorry, and Sean Runkunis. Um, Hunter, uh, Sean and I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. We pride ourselves on building upon our musical knowledge with our featured guests, jamming to incredible music, talking about a wide variety of artists and composers, dot, 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 and everything in between. And the quote of the day is Merry Christmas, everybody. So excited to share that with you. Happy holidays. A ho, ho, ho to you all. One ho for each individual podcast host. Um, I'm not really sure how that would work out for Mary, but uh, um, but that's how it's working out today. But I'm so excited to celebrate the holidays with y'all. So excited to get into the Christmas spirit. Without any further ado, let's jump right into our Christmas list. We have each selected two of our um, uh, two Christmas songs that we felt um, we would like to speak about on this podcast. If for those listeners who've been with us, we did something similar last year. Um, we got a new set, new year, new set of Christmas songs. So the first one that we want to talk about was, or the first two rather, are, are my picks, which are, um, so we're going to start with Mele Kalikimaka by Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters. So um, this one, I feel like everyone knows the song when they hear it, but they might not know the actual title of it. They just know that it's like very Hawaiian sounding. Um and so I, I picked this one because I think it's a unique Christmas song because most Christmas songs, obviously, they talk about, you know, the white, the snow and the, you know, all the, the stuff we would expect of with Christmas. And this one, it intentionally doesn't sound like Christmas. And yet we know it's a Christmas song because it's obviously singing about Hawaii. Meli Kalikimaka is Merry Christmas in Hawaiian. Um, and it was sung, uh, obviously, it came out of the 40s sung by Bing Crosby, who is obviously a very well-known artist from that time period, really through the like whole first half of the, the, the 1900s. And the Andrews Sisters being a big um, trio singing group from the World War II era. And I don't know, this song always made me think of my um, aunt because my aunt uh, lived in Hawaii for a while, my, my granddaughter, my grandmother's sister. Um, her and her granddaughter and stuff, they lived out in, in Hawaii, and so they would go out to visit. And so I like, always think of this song, and she was born in the 1920s, and so, like, this music was sort of her era, you know what I mean? So I associate the two with her. But, I mean, it's a fun song. There's nothing deep about it, really, I mean, but it also is one of the first songs, I think, really, to bring some of that the Polynesian-style music into pop culture here in the United States because, on you know, unless you happen to be somewhere where they had a Hawaiian um, band playing that music, this there was this song and there was, um, oh, what's the other one? It's from like the early 19, early, early 1900s and it's something about coconuts. Um, but other than that, this is really the big song that sort of like got people interested in like that Hawaiian sound, that laid back, easy feel. So I'm just curious, what, what did you guys think of this one? If I mean, I'm sure you knew it already, but. I guess I will go first because of Mary's grand gesture. Um, it's very hard to go after you, Hunter, because it's just you lay out everything so perfectly. And I don't really know what to say after that because you said everything exactly how I was going to say it. But I'll jump in on a couple of points, which is the first being 
that I think it was a really nice blend. Like you said, Polynesian sound, that's great. Uh, we had the ukulele, we add a little more string instruments, and I think that's kind of cool. But then we also add the big band element as well, so a little bit of that yeah. as well, which is a little interesting. What's also interesting about that, and we'll talk about this a lot, and we did it a little bit last time about Christmas songs, but the feeling of nostalgia that mm -hmm. is so paramount in Christmas songs that we need it because we're thinking about the year ending, you know, and that's just mm -hmm. kind of like it's a culmination of a year. We're thinking about what the process is, what we're all we're thankful for. Um, and one of the greatest things about this song is how it's not, you know, like we said, there are some aspects of it that are taken from culture, but it's not reusing or reestablishing new identity. It's taking the identity of the Polynesian culture and then really adding it to a little bit of big band music, which I think is actually yeah. really cool. And something that maybe you'll want to talk about, Hunter, is the way that the line moves. It could also be with the song too. Like we're talking about waves, we're talking about hula skirts, we're talking about lays. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing that's just so cool that I find that's really interesting about the piece is actually the title, Melekulikimaka. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, if a kid saw it or maybe like a really old person saw it, they'd be like, that's too many words. How can anyone say something like that? But what's something interesting about that is I think it has a really nice phrasing arc to it because Bing goes, Melakalikimaka. It has a really nice beginning phrase to it. And that actually doesn't really feel like, I mean, like it is the downbeat, but it doesn't really feel like the downbeat until you finish the phrase. Melakalikimaka is the one. Yes, you're right. It is. So it's it, it, it almost like feels like it is a pickup. No, it is. And it, I think it is. So what's interesting about it is those, those Melakalikimaka seven words. And within those seven words, those are all seven eighth notes so it's basically what i'm thinking is because it's if it's in four four it's one two three four uh melakalikimaka is the one so it's, it's hawaii's way so it almost feels like there's a sort of nice flow to it and it almost feels like in a way like we've talked about this last time we argue about pickups and on this show with such passion and such gratuity but i almost feel like in my sense it has this very nice phrasing entail where you can kind of find the scent into it. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. I mean, yes, like you said, it's very hokey. There's aspects of it that are pretty simple. But the one thing that can really, we can we can find the one complex area of musical critique, it's through that phrase of Melikalikimaka and the use of yeah. the Polynesian versus the American New York big band sound. Yeah, definitely. Mary, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, um, I'll piggyback off that a little bit. Um, because the phrasing structure is like from a critical music perspective, that's definitely what I tag onto as well. Um, and Sean's right. It's definitely got like an upbeat feeling to it. It, it um, kind of obscures where the actual beat is of it until, you know, the second part of the phrase, is the da -dee -da, you know, you, you definitely feel it after it started. And even though, it starts on um, a downbeat. Um, a lot of that phrasing structure, it is uh, straight eighth notes. And it definitely like leads to that next downbeat, which is um, not typical of a lot of Christmas music since um, most Christmas music is, is built off a template, you know, because there's so right. many traditionals. Um, and I think that's definitely something that... Um, 
you know, it comes from that, that Polynesian Hawaiian culture. Um, Sean's right. The, the hula skirts and the swinging of the hips and it's all right there. So um, for me, like Mele Kalikimaka is not one of my particular favorite Christmas tunes, but when it comes on, um, it always reminds me of like the Christmas in July feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, for <laughs> summer, I guess, whatever, uh, for whatever reason. Um, but it, it definitely, there, there's a part to this song that files back into year-long nostalgia as well. Um, this yeah. is one of those that you might even hear, like, at a Christmas in July party. Um, you know, it, it definitely will um, outlive a lot of the um, more traditional Christmas tunes, as, as we'll see. Um, put one on my list that's, like, not traditional at all. So it's good to see um, that you picked this one in particular. So... Yeah, it was cool. Plus, I think Bing's voice, you know, is, is very, he's got this low voice. So when he goes up and then back down, I always feel like it gives the sense of the, like, rising and falling waves. You know what I mean? Along with the steel guitar being done up and down. He does have a low voice, too. He has a very thought, low voice. I thought that was very surprising. I mean, honestly, he does look like a tenor. But when he's like, yeah, he's deceiving because he's a really slight thing. Like he's a small, he was a small guy. He was really thin, and yet he had this really deep voice. You know, um, yeah, that was funny. And obviously, the the Andrew sisters do great harmony, um, with him. And speaking of harmony, a group who was really, really well known for their harmonies, they wrote some beautiful harmonies were the Carpenters, who happened to be the second one that I picked. And I feel like the this song, which is "Merry Christmas, Darling." You know, I, you say that song, and I feel like a lot of people eye roll, and, and you know, it's the song. I don't know. I I feel like it's almost too stereotypical for some people of Christmas time, but I can't help but listen to it and hear like Christmas. Like Karen Carpenter starts singing, and you know immediately the minute she starts singing, one, what song it is, and two, what time of year it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously, you know the the ending piece of the song, you know, where it's Merry Christmas, and they're layering over each other. And then they end with Darling, and it's that really, really, really tightly um, written but cool harmony that they were so known for. Um, I think it makes the song pretty iconic. Yeah. Mary, what do you think? Yeah, I, um, let's see. The first time I heard this one, my dad used to always bring the Carpenters up. Um, really? And, yeah, and he would always talk about, like, he um, <laughs> harmonization and stuff. I a lot of people think I have a good ear, you know, I think I have an okay ear, but um, it, it's, it's interesting when it comes to traditional tunes, it's so easy to harmonize. Um, and in particular, he was always just fascinated by like what the Carpenter sisters did and the, the velvet tones they were able to get through like how they, they handle balance and like color of, of sound. Very much so. Um, and it, it's interesting how harmony can be influenced. Like you can write harmony the exact same way and play it in three different styles and it will hit you differently. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I think that's very true. And I don't think people realize that until they hear it. Yeah, like we as musicians will often be like, uh, you know, we'll go play for <laughs> that guy in the airport that wants more Skinner, you know, um, and they'll they'll immediately ask us, like, how do you do that? Well, the answer, kids, is go practice. But also, um, you know, it, there is a lot that goes into orchestration and design. And um, when you become a professional art, like, musical artist I think that like everyone 
thinks that they have to make a Christmas album to be an actually respected um, <laughs> group. Oh, definitely. And, yeah, like, if you're going to have a life on media of any sort as a musician, you need to have some sort of Christmas tune. Um, right, you got to come up with something. Yeah, and so for me, this this uh, Merry Christmas Darling is one of those quintessential Christmas tunes. Um a lot of people will write it off because, you know, you hear it and you're like, oh, I've heard this one a lot. But I, I still, every time I listen to it, I find something new to listen to in the harmony. So it's just, I, I do love this piece. Thanks, whoever carved that was. I was just going to say, they were honking in agreement. <laughs> yes, they, they were. With everything you just <laughs> yes. said. Yes, they were. Yes. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Um, yeah, no, I think I think whatever Mary said was, was absolutely correct and whatever you said was great. Um, I think I'll just drive home the point of nostalgia just because I think what makes music nostalgic is slow roaming wide open thought of um, gratefulness of mm -hmm. thought provoking identity and chordal structures that make us think about our past and make us think about what we're grateful for. The line, Merry Christmas, darling, might not be more about Merry Christmas, but more about the darling than just you the know, romanticism that's... of the line being like, you know what, it's another year with you. I'm glad to be spending it with you. you Hot take. I, 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 I think that's just, yeah, I mean, yes, obviously Mary, being something, celebrating the holidays is such a wonderful aspect of uh, being a part of a family but being a part of a of a system being part of a relationship being a part of a, a clan being with people that you love um just like the people that i love here on this podcast um <laughs> you basically you look at them and you say i'm so grateful to have you in my life and i think that's what the song is really about it's just about how Yes, I mean everything that you guys said. You're right. It 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 shapes the minds when we hear Hunter's White. When we hear the Carpenter sing, it just it clicks in our brains. But the one thing we just need to remember about these Christmas songs is is there are songs that you know want to make us jump up and dance and kind of do. But there's other songs that make us want to be next to the people we love. And I think this is one of the songs that reminds us how lucky we are to be in a world where we have loving people that want to spend time with us. Um, so which I think is a really, really great aspect of the song. And um, <laughs> I wrote what's in the name, which is nostalgia, um, <laughs> which is funny because again, when we think about nostalgia, it's about associating with something with a good, a good memory, you know, hmm. Christmas, Time is always a good memory. We all we all have really good memories about Christmas. We have some bad memories through Christmas, but we choose to remember the good memories, and that's what brings up the nostalgia through all these songs. And I think that one of my favorite aspects of um, the song. I'm not sure if you guys were able to watch a little bit of the um, the music video, but watching her walk around her yard, you know, put stuff in her mailbox. Who mails anything anymore? They just email somebody. Um, <laughs> So there's a little bit of that, but it's also it's it's also the beauty, the care, the time spent, and I think that's probably what Karen Carpenter was looking for. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, plus, also I think it just paints a really vivid image, right? I mean, what are the what are the lines? It's um, 
greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through, right? I mean, so that paint, right. you know exactly what time they're talking about. You know, this is not gearing up for Christmas. This is not the Christmas day. No. It's just sort of being in that Christmas moment. And and like, even though, even after it's passed, you got those funny days between Christmas and right. New Year's, which I always feel like this takes place in. Um, yeah. Like you could you know be I mean? busy forever. We're all, we're all, I mean, I'm going to be totally honest. We're all fucking busy, but when yeah. we, if we don't really get to slow down and we get to when we get to slow down we finally realize what we have and what we've worked for so i think that's probably what karen carpenter was going for we go through all this hustle and the bustle all year and then the one time we really get to slow down that's the time we should be more grateful about spending time with others fine yeah and speaking of being busy um we are taking a quick break in order uh to um buy our christmas plug our yeah exactly um yeah. we're gonna take a quick uh break sponsored by our friends at anchor if you'd like to support this podcast please go to anchor.com and we will be right back with some more christmas songs with picks from sean and mary okay okay so we're back talking about care of the bills transomedia and orchestra um one of my favorite scenes from the office is having dwight kind of stop maybe playing a karen carpenter and going this is Christmas, and he rocks out and he plays Care of the Bells, and it's hilarious. Um, uh, the beginning is just, it's so um, its its so cool because the cello plays We Wish, uh, it's not We Wish You Merry Christmas, but it's the Merry Gentleman song. What's, mm. that, what's the name, Hunter? Do you know that name of the song? The, the Merry Gentleman song, do you know that? Um, God Rest You Merry Gentleman? Yes, there it is, yeah. The cello plays that song. Uh, super epic, to be honest. It's crazy how a four-note melody could be, you know, brought out to this huge soundscaping thing. And I love that at the end of this piece, uh, there's a moment in the office where Dwight screams, Christmas! And all the, like, all the crazy all the people are just like crazily rocking on the thing, and it's awesome. Um mm -hmm. It's it's so cool. It just it really just kind of speaks to you. When I first heard this, I was like, "Wait, hold up! Can actually we play this kind of thing? Can we actually do this with Christmas music?" Um, but I think it's such a cool thing. It, it's so awesome. My, my sister had gone to a Trans Siberian Orchestra T-shirt. Well, T-shirt. She went to the concert. She she came back with a T-shirt. Um, and I remember her going and she was telling me about it. Just how like it was more of like the experience of just seeing all these different crazy things and stuff like that, and I thought that was mm. unbelievable. So, Hunter, what did you think, my friend? I mean, you know, the Trans Siberian Orchestra is one of those. This particular song, Carol Lavelle's by them. I have such distinctive um, memories of my childhood. Uh, this song would come on the radio, and like at the time, I was a kid. I didn't, I didn't know who they were, um, and I remember later trying to, as I got older trying to talk about the song and not knowing who it was. I, don't know, I, I was like, it's the really intense song. It's a really intense one with like the, uh, the I didn't even know how to say it. Um, and surprisingly, my parents knew what I was talking about. Um, and and my father knew it was the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And so he told me, and then I was, I, you know, I'd watched a couple of performances of them and stuff. I never got the chance to see them, but it is a really cool song. And I think it's a, one of the more unique Christmas songs because obviously the song is itself is very old um but their version of it is so one of a kind right yeah Mary 
Well, I think, you know, it is definitely one of a kind, but we have to step back and realize, like, this particular piece, uh, Carol the Bells, it's not necessarily meant to be, like, a joyful Christmas piece. It's it's dark. It's like Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones happened. Exactly. Uh, And it's like that four no melody. It permeates the entire thing. Um, This one is really, it's really easy to break down and like younger groups can play it. Like uh, we did this piece when I was student teaching elementary and the ORF program did like an arrangement of it. So it it really can be pulled down to its bare roots so much um, differently than a lot of traditional Christmas tunes. Um, And, you know, it puts off a different persona. Um, The Christmas tunes that are more about the busyness and the hurry and all of it, it's all about price tags and, you know, things like this, this Carol of the Bells, it gives us the true, like, um, <laughs> Christmas, uh, what am I thinking of? Um, uh, bah humbug. Um, Scrooge? Yeah, like, it, it's the true Scrooge in Christmas mm. music somewhat. It, it, you can hear, like, the, the pounding of the ghost of Christmas future. Um, and, you know, like, it's there mm. in every uh, strike of the chimes. Um so I, I think that part of the reason that this particular tune hit it off so quickly was one, it's repetitive. We have talked a lot on this podcast about repetition and melody and why, you know, form is a big deal. Um, I think another reason is it was completely different than most of the Christmas stuff on the radio. Like, yeah. um, and um, I've performed it a couple of times um, in my undergrad. We always did like a Christmas concert with our orchestra, just thinky little stuff. It was fun, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, so we played an arrangement of this and we always had like, uh, an electric guitarist come in and play the solos and stuff. Um, and it was just amazing. The, the change in attitude and atmosphere in our rehearsals and at the concert when we just got finished playing like Charlie Brown's Christmas stuff. And then we throw this on, you know, mm. it, it's, um, it's just completely different. And I think, that Trans-Siberian Orchestra definitely timed it right um, for it to, you know, be released when they did it. It was um, it was just so different than a lot of the, you know, rerun traditionals that come out on every person's Christmas album. Yeah. So, but it, it is absolutely timeless. Right. And what's amazing about it, in my opinion, is how they're able to weave in melodies such as God rest ye merry gentlemen, especially like, I mean, yes, it is kind of very similar to, I would say akin to each other in that it's very similar um, because you hear the cello play it um, and then you hear the bells play it. It's pretty cool. It's such a cool thing to do. And I think what what's cool about it is Yes, Mary Wright. It, it is very serious, um, but it's it's a piece that just has so much energy, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's kind of what is and is not kind of ironic about Carol of the Bells, which is um, it's such a serious piece of music, but you can also kind of laugh at it in a way of how serious it is. Um, I like to think of the family guy, Carol of the Bells. I won't sing it, but... I think it's pretty funny. But thinking of the way that, you know, that that just the care of the bells is such a serious piece and 
like one of my hunter you might know it's like the people who were kind of like in choir that were in the robes or like bah, 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 bah. oh the the monks the monks yeah something like that so and uh, obviously i mean going connecting piece to connecting piece both of these pieces are exactly alike no not at all hmm. um going to i saw mommy kissing santa claus um, this comes from the Rosie O'Donnell album. Yes, that is correct. And uh, both um, Rosie O'Donnell and Angelica from the Rugrats, as seen on yes. Nickelodeon, um, is my next song. I need a little bit of an introduction with this, which is, um, so my sister had gotten this CD maybe when she was five or six, and she would not stop playing it. For really? a very long time. Yes. Um, I have the evidence because there are so many <laughs> Christmas videos of my sister playing this and it is on all the time. But this one ends up being one of my favorite songs because there's comedic aspects of it. Um, I find this to be kind of an underrated Christmas song. Um, yes, there is some aspects of this song that are a little iffy. But what makes this song so unique is just just kind of how it's it's just kind of like it's very silly and it's not too serious. Um, I think it's I think it's just funny. It's it's weird, but it but it, what's what's interesting about it, like I said, it is, it's such a weird song to add to our Christmas canon. No one really really thinks about it. Um, and probably one of the greatest things about this this individual song that I find is I love the aspect of New Orleans jazz oh, in this yeah. piece because there are, there's clarinet, there's trombone, there's trumpet. Um, and I think that's kind of like the ragtag group that you put together to put together a New Orleans jazz sounding uh, uh, jazz band, um, in my opinion. And I think it's just, it's so wonderful it's 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 i think it's really one of the coolest kind of like it's 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 a fun song like um hunter had said about um melakaliki maka which is you know it's not gonna blow your socks away but i think it's such a just a cool one of those complex under the radar songs of uh christmas music and one of my favorite parts is at the end of the song Ange angelica wondering if santa kisses all the mommies in the world there is no audible yes to that question, but she does say, oh, okay, I see. So, I don't know. It leads up to interpretation. So, let's start with Hunter this time. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, the thing that struck me most was, well, first of all, the bizarre pairing of Rosie O'Donnell and Angelica. But, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just like, okay. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, no, the thing that struck me most was the the New Orleans, the Dixieland swing. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Of, of it you know what i mean being a clarinetist obviously that's something that i i noticed right away and i mean it's just it's a really jazzy number so even if you're you know whatever even if you're not a fan of the song or even if you're like i don't really like rosie o'donnell um or if you're like i never watched the regrets it's still a very um it's still a very very upbeat and and funny like you mentioned fun number so right. i think that's probably the biggest takeaway of the song and this particular song you know i saw mommy kissing santa claus has been done a gazillion different ways yeah. um some people do it a lot slower a lot more some people do it a lot more seductively you know some people do it um more childlike sort of like this sure, sure. so it's sort of a unique take on it 
Yeah. I, I'm not, I shouldn't say unique. It's just it's a it's a um one of the more upbeat versions of the song. Sure. To be honest, I can't really think of anyone else who does it that way though. <laughs> yeah. So I guess well, it is I think, but it because because the song the album really was meant for kids. Right. Um but I think I think playing into that really works for the song, I think. So I don't know. Yeah. You can play other ways. Mary, what do you think? Well, um, I think we should stop for just a second and like recognize that because I mentioned earlier, um, you know, you get tired of listening to the same traditional Christmas tunes sometimes and like mm -hmm. to you know, everybody has that token Christmas album when they are a you know, a popular singer at that point. It's like a passage of you know uh rights and um yeah. so through that um christmas being christmas and holidays being the one time of year that like you really even feel from like a federal perspective you know that the world is a little closer together maybe um at least i hope everyone feels that way in some ways so you have to recognize that the variety of Christmas tunes um, that we see come around, it is because of the traditional route. It is because um, there are so many different, um, like, well-written um, tunes that have lived through the ages that everyone feels they have to do it in their own way. And, um, I mean, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is one of the, you know, great American uh, Christmas songs of, you know, the 20th century. And um, it, it's always got a comedic effect to it. Another one just like it is, like, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Um, you know, yeah. like, you can absolutely, like, those, that tune, this one in particular, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, is a little risque to put on, like, an elementary music stage. But... Yeah, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. All these character tunes, they stand ready for like whatever toys you want to put in them. Um, mm. And so one thing I, I love in particular that you guys have both said about this particular one, the Rosie O'Donnell, is her use of Dizzy, Dixieland jazz, um, which is not often um, like you, you just don't see it as much outside of like New Orleans, it's just not common. And so it, it's another way that they've brought, you know, this culture to the piece. Um, and, you know, this is not, you know, particularly my favorite either. I saw M Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. There, There's a ton of stuff in there, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, this one in particular, you know, it's, it's definitely weird, but it was meant to be, a, you know, a kid's album. So um, I, I just, I think it's so important to recognize that something like this absolutely deserves to be respected just as much as the next person's White Christmas. Um, but, you know, for different and possibly opposite reasons in some ways. So thanks for putting this on here, Sean. This is a good one. Yeah, I appreciate that. And with that, we are also going to take a quick hiatus. But Hunter, I had a question for you, which you, which is, do you ever wonder that you can listen to the same podcast across many platforms. I do wonder that, Sean. Which Why is don't you also, tell us how that's possible? Which is or how would possible. I tell everyone how it's possible? That I would love to. How would you, I mean, I, I personally want to listen to this podcast across many platforms. How, would, how does one do that? I believe one can search Music Speaks podcast across various platforms like Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, and many more in order to find said podcast. That is unbelievable, my friend.
And just like that, uh, being unbelievable, we have our unbelievable Mary Haddix Herman's <laughs> podcast playlist of Christmas songs coming up next. And we have reached the third ho in this list of ho, ho, ho. Oh! <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so these are my two Christmas picks. Um, the first one it comes from, um, it, this one, it really pulls on the heartstrings for me. Um, and so this uh, is Golden Green by um, Sugarland. And Sugarland, um, it's a country group that I, I grew up with. My mom was really, really into Sugarland. And so she would constantly talk about them. They were a duo um, they, they were founded in Atlanta, um, and it's uh, Jennifer Nettles who sang in Christian Bush. He did all the guitar, and uh, he plays mandolin. Um, and so they, they were founded in 2002, um, and they had a third member. Um, they've got some folk strains. Um, they, they do a lot of country. They did some, some more newer country, um, like around, I want to say, like 2010 or so, and they, they did become a duo. Um, like really early on, like 2006, it was just the two of them. Um, and um, they also like Jennifer Nettles and um, Christian Bush, they split into 2012. Um, and I can't remember exactly when um, the Christmas album was. I think it was 2010, actually. Um, yeah, so they, they did the Christmas album before they split and they split to do like solo careers, but um, they actually came back together in 2017 and so they still do um like these exclusive duo things where they're still sugarland and i know like every word to like all the songs on like all their albums because my mom just like completely like they were her group for years and so um one thing about golden green that has always stuck with me is um it really pushes this nostalgic envelope um Sean's going to, I'm sure, give us some good slam poetry at some point about this one. But um, the, the piece, it, it's a, you know, it's a lilting waltz and um, it just it makes you feel the, the glitter that shines down on a, a breezy night. after you just finish your Christmas shopping and you're thinking, should I get hot chocolate before I go home? Um, Which the answer and, must always be yes. Yeah. And so like the, the main melody everything looks better in gold and green um and i this one like i, I have to listen to it a bunch um just to <laughs> feel like i've really gotten my christmas in every year um but golden green is not a traditional christmas tune it is specific to sugarland no one else has done it that i know of um it's not often covered and um so like this lilting waltz feeling um you know there's mandolin used in it it's got a, a nice bluegrassy feel so for me it's a much very much so home christmas kind uh like kentucky christmas kind of vibe for me so i just i couldn't have this list without doing something like this so um who wants to start this is probably the first time y'all have heard this one yeah if that's okay. Um, Hunter, you were going to say something. Do you want to go first? No, that is what I was going to say was that you are right. I, this is the first time I ever heard this song. And um, in, you know, in general, I'm not usually a, a country fan. I think that's something that we had uh, talked about once before when we were talking about one of the, um, I forget what the podcast was, but either way. Um, but I found this to be a very pleasing song. I mean, it's like, 
it's uh, it does, like you said, paint a very clear image of what you know what they're trying to to convey through the song. Um, and the guitar, you know, or and the mandolin rather, um, I find them to be very pleasing. If you ask my mother, my mother hates the guitar and the mandolin. Um, and if you ask her, she, yeah, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. They just make me grip my teeth. I was like, okay. Um, that's so, it's like a random instrument to hate. Like I could see if it was like a harpsichord or like the accordion or something. No, she likes the accordion with the guitar. Um, yeah, it makes no sense. So for this song in particular, I also really like the choice of colors for the title because when you think of Christmas, right? Obviously the, the traditional choice is silver and gold, right? Um, and this one is um, golden green, which to be honest, when you think about it, is uh, is very distinctive, I think, to Christmas because when you think of the green trees, decorations that were like the little golden star on top, but it's not an image that you usually think about. You know what I mean? You, people don't usually associate green and gold as the colors. It's either red and green or it's silver and gold. Or it's snow. interesting. Or what? Or snow white. But yeah. Or snow right, or right, and white in general. So I, I like that poetically for, for their, their choice of, of imagery. That's the thing that stood out to me the most. John? Yeah, you know, I at first I thought I saw silver and gold on Mary's playlist and got very excited. And then oh, I saw no. green and gold and I was like, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, what I thought what was so interesting about it was, yes, I'll, I'll get to the slam poetry in a second, but what makes this piece so beautiful in my eyes is the patience and the consideration for the understanding of nostalgia. Where I talk about this so much when we do these Christmas podcasts, but you you can't do Christmas without nostalgia, which I think is kind of crazy because when we when we do Christmas, we build everything that we do on memory. We have procedures, we have things, how we want to do things. All three of us, I'm sure we have different ways that we all celebrate Christmas. We like to do it the way that we have always done it. That aligns with nostalgia. I think what makes this song unique and rather different than other songs, and Mary's absolutely right. When I listened to this song, I was kind of in a way saying, yes, finally, there's something like this that makes sense that doesn't necessarily focus in on the like, Yes, this is this part of Christmas. There's that part of Christmas. There is a part of Christmas, honestly, between green and gold. They're totally opposite spectrums of color. And that's what makes it such a wonderful uh, gift for everybody. Christmas is for everyone. Christmas holidays are for everyone. Celebrating the action of, of gift and life. And I think that's what's so wonderful about this piece. And if y'all will let me, I'll do a little bit of lyrics that I read for the song, which is, Christmas tree and window panes, shimmering when tinsel hangs, and the butter light of candlesticks chases snowflakes off the bricks. The postman is shivering with packages he is delivering, ribbons pulled and try to hide, wishes waiting warm inside. Everything looks better in gold and green, the lights on the trees shining all throughout the city are the prettiest I've ever seen. And the world decides to sleep safe tonight. Yeah, hunt, and I think it's almost like the the carpenter hunter, where 
Um, it's a little bit playful. It's a little bit on that nose of, yes, we're all busy, but when we get the chance to just slow down a little bit, it's, it's beautiful. And I think that almost like we're traveling over where we're kind of like at that, like that point where we can kind of like see everybody, you know, like all the Christmas, you know, it's my favorite part of, um, the Grinch is right at the end when the Grinch just sees everyone mm-hmm. and he realizes the mistake that he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, and I think that's, but that's the moment that makes it nostalgic, which is that's what makes Christmas so great, which is that it's, it's the reasoning behind of what we've been learning throughout the year. Yes, we're busy. Yes, we're doing all these crazy things. We, we we're making money. We're working really hard to provide and do all these different things. But when we're, when, when the, when the deal is done and we're able to do all these great things, we start noticing the small things and that's what makes life so purposeful and so wonderful and i think that's what makes this song so unique with which is the patience the regard for honesty and 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 just seeing things that we haven't really seen before like for me this this week just seeing the 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 leaves change and you know yukon i i think it's absolutely beautiful mary you might not get that because you're in texas but what i'm saying is you know sorry what i was going to say was you, you really don't really get to see it until you finally step back and have a, a breath of fresh air, you know, and I think that's pretty rough, really. So, and I, I really appreciate you sharing that song with us. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, um, this is just, it, it's very different. It, it, it gets to that part of Christmas that's different for every single person because it's mm-hmm. about how you relate to others. Um, right. Jennifer Nettles was not trying to pull you into her idea of Christmas. She was trying to put you in a place that you totally make on your own. Um, You know, individual connections. Yeah. 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 And um, I I think the, the last line and the world sleeps safe tonight, the world decides to sleep safe tonight. I think the word decides is the most important part of the song and the world sleep decides to sleep safe tonight you know it it the world doesn't universally decide to do anything except at christmas time when you go home on christmas eve and then you do not wake up because santa is coming like you know those those things that we we often joke about into adulthood they are still there as um it, it's a part of the genuine human connection um part of the genome so um yeah this this song i just i couldn't pass up the chance to put it on here so um and now finally for something that is very traditional compared to everything on our list um so i wanted to white christmas is um another song that like it gets me in the feeling of of christmas and it's it's home there's so many different versions and i could have put bing crosby's on here but um i i picked loretta lynn's and um, I, do either of you know Loretta Lynn? I can't remember. She's um, Judy Garland's other daughter, isn't she? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So Loretta Lynn, she actually passed away on October 4th. So that's part of the reason that I, I picked hers to put on this podcast. Um, she, uh, you know, th- one of her quotes is, to make it into this business, you either have to be first, great, or different. And I was the first to ever go into Nashville singing it like the women lived it. Mm. Uh, so she, I mean, she's been 
the queen of country music, you know, like she's got over 60 years of, of tours and recordings available. She was the first woman really to, to be in, in the Nashville spec. Um, and she often wrote about like her own life experiences. So like from her, we got coal miners daughter. Um, don't come home. Don't come home a drinking with loving on your mind. Um, she's had several number one singles. I think, um, I think she had 16 number ones over her years. Um, I mean, she's she was inducted into the, the, the Hall of Fame, the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Um, she was the first Country Music Association's Entertainer of the Year in 1972. Um, and um, actually, a, a woman I met through SAI, Tracy Weigel-Withrow, is a certified uh, Loretta um, impersonator, actually. And um, so for me, L Loretta Lynn is one of those names that comes up in bluegrass and is very much so a part of that, that culture where I come from. And so um, I just I wanted to include her White Christmas here to, to pay a little homage to, to Loretta um, because she went home to be with the Lord. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it was in, interesting because I, I wanted to put white Christmas on here and she has like three different tunes that you could, you could call white Christmas. She has the regular white Christmas and, um, the recording I used for this is, um, from her, her latest Christmas album from a few years back. Um, but on that album, she also did blue Christmas, which was popularized by Elvis Presley. And then um, she has her own uh, blue, Chris, or, uh, white Christmas blue or blue Christmas white. It's one of the two, um, but she like mixes the two and it, it was really neat. I almost included it, but personally, I actually prefer the traditional over the, that mix. Um, but, you know, just about, you know, um, the, the reason that we choose, uh, a specific version of a Christmas tune to listen to. Like not everybody's white Christmas is being Crosby's, right? Mm -hmm. we, we have so many different versions of them to pick. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in this instance, Sean's I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is the, you know, the only version really that I loved too. But, uh, you know, white Christmas, there's zillions out there. And so one thing that I really appreciate about Loretta's is um, just the the color of her voice um and uh, she has such a pure tone i mean obviously like <laughs> i i think that jennifer nettles took a lot of notes from loretta so it's it was kind of um destiny that i paired the two of them here um but the other reason that i wanted to have a white christmas on here in the first place is because i you know i i lived at home for most of my life until I went to get my doctorate here in Texas. And, you know, thankfully I get to have the chance to go home for Christmas. But what this really means is that I don't really decorate for Christmas anymore because I leave before the season has truly started down here. Um, mm. Because in Texas, the trees don't really change. They just wake up one day and say, Oh, I'm dead. Um, you know, and that's, it's a hard thing for me. Like, I really miss the colors. And my, my husband texted me this morning. He was like, it is so freaking cold. And I'm like, <laughs> I am wearing a long sleeve shirt uh, right now. Like, yeah. um, and we have had some 60 degree weather, but like, I, mm -hmm. you know, I just think it's, it's definitely white Christmas is one of those that allows me to feel home away from home. 
And um, Loretta's version in particular, it just, it, you know, it reminds me of the hills of Kentucky and the, the traditions of, of Nashville and bluegrass music making. So what were your impressions of this and Loretta? You know, Hunter, I'll just say my piece because I talked a lot in that last segment. So I'll, I'll do my quick little thing and I'll toss it over to you. You go right ahead. So what I'll say about this is I can't believe it took us this long to talk about country music. Um, this might be the first time on this podcast we talked about country music. It will um, not Hunter, be the last. It won't be the last. Hunter is um, rolling in his grave right now. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's just, it's a lot of... Um, what what's <laughs> makes it so um, wonderful is that you know it's it's so honest when an artist is able just to be themselves, especially in in a in a in a song like a Christmas song that's so well known. Um, and the flair is there, Mary. The flair is there. Like Lynn has her sound. I mean, it works. It it, it I think it it sounds it's so distinct. Um, and what's so interesting about it is you might have more experience than I do. You living closer to Tennessee than I, than I do, but coming up and growing with that sound must be just so amazing. And what, what I really like about, um, that sound is, and it, Hunter has grown on me because now as a radio host, I have to play that music more, more so than often, but, um, it, it what builds it in is just, it's just the, it's not just the the twang that makes it the sound, but it's the it's the soundscape that makes it what's what's so beautiful. And I think that's what Lynn does so well, which is that she doesn't really take, like Mary said, she takes from Blue Christmas, she takes from White Christmas, but it works just so well at one level where there are elements of both, but she's able to just still find her own individual sound from both of those sides, which I think is pretty amazing. All right, Hunter, take it away, buddy. Yeah, no, my, you know, my first thought was, you know, you see White Christmas, I think, you know, at least here, I could right. say, I assume most people probably think of Bing Crosby's version, even if they don't know who Bing Crosby is, they know the guy who sings it. They, I can't say how many times my students say that, where it's just like, you play it and they're like, oh, that's the White Christmas guy, you know, like and you're like, yes, it is. Exactly. I can play that for them, too. Um, yeah. But you know, to your point, Mary, obviously around the country, people, particularly in, in very specific places where specific music, you know, I'm sure there's like a Dixieland white Christmas version. We don't okay. know that maybe in New Orleans or around the Louisiana era, maybe that's more popular. Right. Um, not to say that people's versions can't be popular across the country. Um, so it's interesting to sort of get a, a look into someone who maybe his first thought is, or, or rather whose default in this case, you um, whose default is a different version. You know what I mean? In this case, um, obviously paying homage to Loretta Lynn, who I realized I was getting confused with Lorna Luft. Um, Lorna Luft, oh. it was Judy Garland's other daughter, Loretta Lynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Country star. Um, but I think that, you know, obviously it wouldn't be my particular first choice, though I do love the song. And I think it's a nice version. Like, I, I do like it, um, despite country not being my favorite. I think there is something that lends... Christmas music and country music very well together. Yeah. Um, or rather, country music lends itself well to Christmas music. I think because there's a sense of nostalgia, Sean, uh, in both. 
you know, like a, a lot of country music is based on, you know, it's it's very emotional. It's it's based on uh, a lot of times reminiscing for good and for bad. Um, and to Sean's point earlier, you know, we have memories, both, both good and bad of Christmas. And that's something they have in common with country music. So therefore, they are um, very clear companions. Mm-hmm. So I think the intention is important. Yeah. And, you know, it's also... Um, it's important to mention, you know, just as a woman, uh, one of Loretta's favorite quotes was, um, she's still woman enough. Like she wrote her Mm. second choir and called it still woman enough. Like, um, and so like country music is, um, one of those places where women were, uh, I shouldn't say allowed into the sphere earlier, but I think that they got easier exposure through, um, country music earlier on. Um, particularly in a place like Nashville. Um, and we see her, like Loretta is the one that she pioneered it, but Dolly is the one that rides it now. You right. know, Dolly Parton has just done everything on this earth and she still tries to get free books for kids in elementary school. Like, you know, she's definitely a philanthropist. And I think that's something that Loretta always tried to include um, in her um, her. Uh, persona um and so uh, i think uh, you know even in white christmas you can you can hear that independency that um unapologetic unwavering will to to allow herself to be heard and seen um and i don't think that we often get to appreciate that so much as to hear her sing something like white christmas and be able to just pick apart everything that's not white christmas about it um well anyways um so you know i i just couldn't do a christmas podcast and um have you know anything but uh, a strong woman figure uh to show up and then i ended up having two with her and Jen- jennifer nettles so um anyways um do we have to take another break sean what are we doing i think we're just wrapping it up my friend if you yeah. want to wrap it up any way you'd like to mary <laughs> Well, um, if you guys are still with us, thanks for spending your, you know, your Christmas time, um, hopefully, you know, with us. And uh, hopefully you found something in our podcast that you've never heard before. Um, And who knows, maybe you'll listen to it every year. And, you know, we'd love to hear your favorite Christmas tunes. Obviously, we'll never get to the bottom of the barrel. So um, reach out to us. Let us know what you're listening to this year. And um, we have to, you know, thank um i don't know exactly who to thank because you know christmas time is so much more than the religious holiday anymore Mm. um but we do need Mm. to thank you know the commercialized nature of holiday time um Mm. for allowing so many different um different perspectives and different things to come out of christmas music so um spirit of christmas past present and future Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so the universal language. So what are your final thoughts, Sean? My final thoughts are this, which is um, this year, I I feel like I've been able to slow down just a little bit um, and just being grateful for so many different things. Um, I, I will always say this about this podcast, which is it's just it's so vastly improved by y'all which is the the amount of knowledge 
the amount of dedication, the amount of work ethic that we do here on the show, which is that we all love music. You know, we're here because we, we all love what we do and we're all so passionate about it. And let's look forward to the next year and keep talking about music. With said that, I'd also like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a very happy holidays as well. And then reach it over to my friend Hunter and what his name is on this show. Thank you for that. Um, my name is, in fact, Hunter Sagona. My name is Sean Kunis. And I'm Mary Haddix Hermans. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and we will see you next time. So keep listening to what you love. Good job, y'all. Great. Cool. Uh, Hunter, are we still good to just try to do as much uh, as we can? Yeah. Yeah. And then when we get to when we get to 11, I'll just uh, yeah. you just pop off. And, yeah. Just pop off. It's okay. Um, I'm gonna let's turn off the okay. Turn off the recording. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Thank you.